and welcome to the Original Content Podcast. I'm Anthony Ha. I'm Jordan Crook. And I'm Dale Etherington. And this week, we are going to review the second season of The Politician, a series on Netflix that we reviewed last year. We weren't crazy about it, but Daryl suggested we watch the second season, which I'm sure Wait, he... Is that real? Did I do that? Yeah, it's in Why writing, do do in Slack. <laughs> I, don't, I don't believe writing. Facts are based on your opinion, right, in 2020? Yeah, yeah, so Anthony did it. It's Anthony. It's, you have an alternative fact there, Anthony. <laughs> I just felt like, yeah, all the subsequent discussion made it sound like I was the one who'd suggested this. But in fact, I repeatedly said, I don't know if you guys are going to be excited about this or like it, but if you want to hate watch it, we can. And then Daryl said, yes, I'm down for a hate watch. So, Oh, I again, see that. That, I think suggestion. that spreads out the blame a bit. His, more. but it was his suggestion too. He, the first person, the first person to say politician season two. You know there. what I know for a fact? I blame what both you of know? you, and I'm <laughs> blameless. I'm absolutely blameless. I didn't bring up the politician. I just said whatever you guys want, and here we are. That's true. Well, actually. let's let's talk about something that made me genuinely happy this week first. Um, so Apple had its giant developer conference, WWDC, this week. It was really weird because it was remote. Um, they made a bunch of announcements that aren't really streaming related, but one tiny little piece of streaming news they put out into the world was they released the teaser trailer for a series called Foundation, which I think I've talked about on the podcast before. It's uh, based on a series of short stories and novels by Isaac Asimov, which are probably my favorite books in the world. Um, they're the books that got me interested in science fiction in the first place. And they deal with the fall of a galactic empire and the effort by uh, the inventor of this science called psychohistory to not uh, reverse the fall of the empire because it's impossible, but instead to shorten the period of chaos after the fall. And it's just this amazing mix of politics and science and um, just, I just love it so much. And I sort of assumed that it would never be made into a movie or a TV show, but but it finally is. And um, Daryl, what did you think of the trailer? Well, I thought it was, I thought it was a compelling trailer. I, I recently read the series, which I think we talked about, but like, there was some stuff that was confusing to me and then I had to like look it up and then I realized that I wasn't confused that it was just new or strange like the uh brother did you look up any of the brother dawn brother dusk brother whatever mm-hmm. those aren't re- those aren't from the books or from the yeah, story characters that aren't from the books yeah right and that really threw me for a loop cuz I was like these people seem pretty significant and I don't remember them at all so I'm that makes me a little worried uh especially because one is I like Lee Pace but he just looks like he's playing Ronan the Accuser in this but like without (laughs) the makeup so I'm a little skeptical based on that but I also love uh and I forget his name every single time uh Jared Harris Harris. uh so that that has like a countering effect to my apprehension about these new characters um yeah, it definitely looks like, I mean, the, they start off the whole like teaser thing with like, hey, people have been trying to make this for 50 years or whatever it is, right? And um, and, I, and having read it, like it doesn't, 
it's not something where it's like okay this reads like a modern sci-fi where somebody was like i'm thinking of this in move as a movie in my brain and then just putting it into book form which is how i think a lot of uh contemporary books read mm-hmm. it, it it's it looks like it would be very frustrating or based on you know the, my reading of it i think it would be very frustrating to to try to make into a compelling movie that's attractive to modern audiences so or or tv show like i guess this is a series right I agree that you couldn't do a straight adaptation, which is part of why it's taken so long. Um, part of that is because each the the original trilogy is basically a bunch of different short stories that were written throughout the '40s, and almost all of them there's like a time jump of you know 50 or 30 years between, and it's a whole new cast of characters most of the time. Also, most of the characters, to be honest, are pretty interchangeable. Um, one, like one of the few memorable characters, is, is Harry Seldon, who's the inventor of psychohistory. He appears in the first story and then dies between the first and second story. Spoilers, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. And so you, you know, I just think like if you just did a straight, straight up um, adaptation, it wouldn't make any sense. So I'm cool with the idea that they're having to reinvent a lot of it. I also recognized some characters who are implicitly white men in the book who have been recast as women of color. And I think that's cool. Um, I don't, I think there's partly because most of the characters in the books don't have that much personality. Like you could do whatever you want with them and it would be fine. And it's just nice that it's not going to be all white men. Um, Yeah. I think that's one of the challenges of making it into a thing too, right? It's like they're, they're all empty sort of placeholders for like concepts that, Asimov wanted to like convey right like they don't they don't really do anything except they need to be there to take action x y and z so I'm 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 also really glad that they went that route because uh yeah it's like in a lot of media even the weak defense of like well this is the way it was intended is like you know okay I guess that's something you could say but in this one there's no way you could say that because they're all like they're all just waiting to be characterized, right? Like if you're going to make a, a, a modern piece of media about them, you need to fill them up with character because they don't really have much in the stories themselves. And so like, why not go diverse instead of just, you know, spitting out a bunch of cookie cutter people? Jordan, so you haven't read the books. What did you think of the trailer? I have thoughts on this, but not coherent or important ones. So I haven't read Foundation, but do you guys feel maybe like we're in the midst of a sci-fi resurgence a little bit? Like some really high quality stuff is coming our way in the sci-fi genre? I think that is true. Um, I I think a lot of that has to do with, with Game of Thrones, which isn't science fiction, but I think showed that you could just do a big budget fantasy show that looked as good as a Hollywood movie and people would watch it. Because we have yeah. this, obviously, but then we also have Dune coming, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, Anthony shared the Brave New World trailer that's coming out. That's one of my favorite books. I don't know how I feel about the trailer yet, but that's something. Another Life does not fit into the high-quality sci-fi <laughs> genre. However, it is coming. And obviously we got C if you count like the near past also part of this resurgence, which C was pretty good. So I don't know. I'm excited about that. Mm -hmm. 
It should be good. Uh, also, eventually, we'll have an international space station movie with Tom Cruise on it. Apparently, so that'll be. Fun. I'm excited for that. I really am. I am too. It'll be totally ridiculous. So I think that'll be fun. It's just I don't easy understand. to strike out, though. Did you guys see Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds or Lucy in the Mm-mm. Sky or whatever? I haven't seen that either. But I did see Ad Astra, and it was Astra. <laughs> yeah. That was I no liked good. Ad Astra. I, no. I thought all the character stuff was good. I mean, except for like I guess the the Liv Tyler part. Um, it was a very like dude centric movie. But I think the the bigger problem was just the all the science fictional stuff at the end is basically just nonsense, and you're just like nothing you're saying makes any sense. But because I believed in the relationships, it was fine. Yeah, I didn't feel that way. Like, my favorite thing about that movie was the sound editing and mixing, which if you're showing me a movie about space with Brad Pitt in it, sound mixing and editing shouldn't be my favorite thing, you know? Like, Yes. Anyway. Yeah, I mean, I, w- I will also just say that to me, Foundation is like the thing I'm the most looking forward to in the next year or so and and probably the first thing on apple tv plus where i'm just like yes i will have to uh, be on apple tv plus when that comes out yeah uh, yeah it's something that will make me stick around um I, I mean I, there's other stuff i would come back for although i haven't watched any of their later stuff like their more recent things uh but i'd still stick around for their like launch slate to come back and see what season two is like for those but this is I, but if I did miss those, I don't think I would feel that bad about it. Whereas this, I have I have to see, right? And I mean, it could be a, it could be traumatically bad in terms of like being anything like the actual uh, original source material. But it's, it's still something you gotta you gotta check it out regardless. Yeah, exactly. I I do worry that it's just gonna be a generic science fiction blockbuster show that they slapped the word foundation onto so i hope that's not the case but they also do have a difficult task of i think oh yeah translating that to a modern audience while still keeping what was so great and so interesting about the books yes yeah i mean the most of the action around the individual stories and the individual books is like it's so weird to think about how that would translate to what looks like a fast-paced like action adventure whatever it is right even a thriller like that's none of that foundation is none of that it's essentially <laughs> like oh look at this clever thing and oh it turned out the way that it was supposed to even you know in a somewhat clever roundabout way like isn't that interesting like that's kind of the ending feeling of every book i find like <laughs> so. especially the first one i think it becomes a yeah, little yeah. more emotionally complex in the later ones but it, it's never um action driven it, it would almost it's almost more like a play where people just sort of sit around and talk about ideas it's very much like a play i think he said uh somewhere that it was in, influenced by like one of the roman histories or something yeah decline and fall of the roman empire yeah and it feels like that it feels like a history uh which you know isn't without its own narrative value but like lacks a certain something lacks a, a closeness and an emotionality that like fiction has right all right well we will revisit this when it actually comes out and see if it lives up to my incredibly high expectations but in the meantime let's move on to the politician um and 
maybe let's let's put Daryl on the spot again since he was the one who suggested we watch this. As again is backed up in written <laughs> well, it's form. Recorded or oh no, it's written. That's right. Okay. Yes. I can purge in that. Slack. Yeah. But but Daryl, remind us what you thought of the first season of The Politician and why that made you interested in watching season two. Uh, I th- I did not like the first season at all. I thought it was real bad. And I thought it was, I, I, especially as it went on, like I just thought it just went so wild and weird. And the last couple episodes were like, what, what does this have to do with anything? What's happening here? And it, it really went further there with this. I think, I, I don't know. It's, it feels so frenetic and so hacked together. It does not feel like a coherent thing a coherent narrative or coherent piece of art or fiction it feels ridiculous and crazy and and none none of it in good or amusing ways like just like this is confusing and tiring and i don't know why i'm being subjected to it i actually like kind of disagree a little bit i actually think that like the pace and frivolity are the only things actually going for this show Mm -hmm. and and Ben Platt's singing voice. And like, <laughs> that's literally it. Like that's, if it didn't have, if it didn't just say like, fuck it, let's go to this place now. And like three minutes later, they're like, oh no, let's go to this place now and have this happen to people. By the time one episode ends, you literally traversed the world. Like in terms of just like different storylines that could happen. Like it's, but that's all that it has, because it's not actually particularly good writing. I mean, there are glimpses of things, but again, it's moving too fast for you to even get to that. The plot, why, what, what are we doing, right? <laughs> like, I mean, the set development Correct. even, like the, the set design and the, the clothes and all of that stuff are just like too hyperbolic to even really like find an attachment. There's zero people that you could relate to in this, except for maybe in one episode the voters episode, the young girl, I feel like is the first mm. person that I was like, oh, I like you. I would love to be your friend. But I mean, it literally has nothing except for whiplash. That's all it brings to the table. So of course it has to rely on its whiplash. You know what I mean? I, I agree with that. And I think that one of the things that's striking is how, so the first season it was eight episodes long. And even in those eight episodes, they basically ran out of their main plot by episodes six and seven. And so the eighth episode is just setting up season two. And then season two is only seven episodes long. And a lot of the episodes are just 30 or 40 minutes. So it's a show that just, I think it has like a normal or maybe even a lot of plot for a normal show. And then it just crams all of that in so that where an episode starts and where it ends are often have like nothing to do with each other. And in terms of drama that actually emotionally affects you, that's not great. But if you're, especially as I did during the early episodes of this season, was sort of gritting my teeth and kind of bored and annoyed. The fact that like, it feels like a slightly different show every episode and often within a single episode is what kept me going all the way through. Yeah, I mean, I only made it through two episodes. I wasn't going to go <laughs> any further than that. So, Wait, what kept you going? Just the fact that it was like 
constantly changing. You know, it was like, this is happening. This is happening. Okay, now we're funny. Now we're serious. Now you thought this was going to be um, about, you know, uh, this aspect of the campaign, but we have gotten bored with that. And now we're moving on to a completely different drama and relationship drama or something else. Yeah, it's definitely like... I would be halfway through an episode and be like, what the fuck are we doing? Like, why am I here? What, like, fuck Daryl, fuck Anthony, like, just really (laughs) upset. And then by the time we got to the end of the episode, we were in such a different place than we were like 10 minutes ago that I'm like, well, what does happen next, I guess, right? And like, I I agree with you, Anthony, that there was something sticky about that pace Despite the fact that I literally hated almost every second I was watching, but I, <laughs> I, I stayed with it for some reason. And it was definitely, I have to say, you know, the classic Jordan Crook distracted viewing experience that I, that I bring to the mm-hmm. table for this podcast. It was there and it was present. It was live, but it's really hard to watch this show that way because it goes so fast that you look away and suddenly like this person's pregnant and this person's like, you know, like plotting a murder. And you're like, wait, how did you guys get here? Like, I don't understand. So I don't know. It was something. It was definitely something. It's really hard to talk about without spoilers too, because the plot moves so fast that you can't actually reference anything. Like how the show starts normally you can talk about a show and you can kind of get into like the first one or two episodes no you can't do that with this because like 90 percent of the plot has been chewed through in the first one or two episodes well i think we can at least talk about the the setup for season two um which is you know kind of taking off from season one and, and so the show as a whole is about this politician as you can probably guess named peyton hobart and then the family and friends and rivals around him uh, Peyton is played by Ben Platt, who was the original Evan Hansen in Dear Evan Hansen, is an amazing singer, pretty good actor, I would say. Um, he and, and so each season is supposed to be about one election in his campaign. The first season was about a high school election. And in season two, he is an NYU student. And his one of his friends basically goes to work for the state senator. I mean, this actually happens at the end of season one, because again, season one was, they ran out of plot and they just decided to set up season two. Um, and and they realize, A, or actually through multiple friends, that this state senator um, is kind of checked out, is not really doing a lot of campaigning, and B, that they have this skeleton in their closet in the sense that they are in a polyamorous relationship with two other men or... As the show loves to remind us, they are in a thruple. The mm-hmm. word used probably the most frequently in the show. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Love the word thruple. To infuriate um, everyone. Peyton, just... campaign, and thruple. Those are like, if we had a word cloud, that would be the three things. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so season two is all about Peyton taking on, uh, taking on this senator, who's played by Judith Light. The senator's name is Dee Dee Standish. And then even more impressively, her chief of staff, Hadassah Gold, is played by Bette Midler. And, um, I mean, the cast, I think, is really good for the whole show. Yeah, in a way that almost weird. begs the question of why are you here? Yeah, like, what what happened here? It almost felt like Ryan Murphy had dirt on all of them. And was yeah. like, yeah. you gotta be in this show. And they were like, the show is terrible. And they were, yeah. he was like, but remember, I have dirt on you. And they were like, 
this show is the dirt you have on me. Like I Right. You're generating future dirt on yeah, me. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> we all have been in this show. It's a cycle of of, of sadness. Yeah. yeah. I I will also say that I if you listen to our review of season one, I was the one who actually enjoyed the first season. I mean, I, I also saw a lot of problems with it, but fundamentally I was entertained and satisfied at the end. And I think one of the differences between the seasons is that in season one, because it's a high school election, for me, it was fine that none of the politics felt real because it's high school. So it is just adolescents play acting at adulthood and pretending that what they do matters. But the problem is that in season two, it has basically the same feeling and all the politics seems completely fake and disconnected from from the real world, except this is supposed to be real politics. Yeah, because they're now in the realm of what city, I guess, right? State? I don't remember. State, state, yeah. State, yeah. Yeah. Uh, The Threpple thing, really. I just couldn't get past it once you brought it up again. Like, it's, uh, it was just... Dude, you have no idea, Daryl. Like, that's all I'll say to you. Like, if you're upset by the initial thruple of the first two episodes, then you just have no fucking idea how deep the thruple hole can go. Oh, my God. Uh, uh. And, you know, I mean, like... I'm not against thruples. I'm yeah, against exactly. the you word. You sound really judgmental. Oh, come on. Come just... on. <laughs> It is like it's it's like one of those things where they they got excited about this one little thing that could have been like imagine if the whole idea of the thruple had been this like very um like peripheral little detail like that's fun. That's cool. That's interesting. That's spicy. Whatever we want to right. call it, right? Yeah. But like the thruple is literally the sun. Like if this is, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if this is a solar system, the thruple is the sun, and Peyton Hobart is like Mars, right? Like it's called <laughs> the politician. Like yeah, he should yeah. be the sun, right? But I don't know. It, they they went way they got super hopped up on their little thruple Kool Aid and uh, they couldn't put it down. Well, and it, and it's just also that they clearly just found the word hilarious and right. they just kept making it was either like either a child or a very old person who just finds this so novel and hilarious that they're just going to keep inserting the word in, into the show. Also, I thought like. Like the, I, I didn't. I that's where I was kind of like, okay, these all these actors are good individually. Each of the people involved in that are good, but I did think that was going to be like a bridge storyline or something to get us to the next thing, and then other things would happen, and yeah, it just became the focus of the whole shit. And then, and then it became. It's, I uh, I'm so mad about it because they're like, oh, and then this little story, and and also this one's going to have a. a Thruple thing too going on, and with the one his former rival, and like, what are you talking about? What is happening in this stupid ass fucking show? Like, just stop, just stop all of this, because I don't care, and I and you're giving me too much that I have to follow and keep track of, 
and pretend to care about. And there's no motivation for any of it to happen. And everyone's just running around pretending very earnestly, like they get what's going on. But it's like, why? Why are you doing that? You're not, you're not fooling me. You're not fooling yourself. You're not fooling anyone. Like you're trying very hard, but you don't know why you're here. You don't know why your character's doing this thing at this moment. And nobody else does either. So stop. Everyone just stop. Let's turn off the lights. Everyone just lay down for a little bit. One other thing that kind of drove me crazy was, again, I mean, I guess this is just building on a complaint I had earlier, but the feeling that all the politics that Peyton talks about is just feels like such a fantasy version of politics and also like so disconnected. Because one of the things that the conflict centers on um, is this idea that Peyton is this avatar of the next generation of political activism that really cares about climate change in particular. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I think like on a number of levels that it seems like kind of off one is like, I don't think that uh, a rich white kid would necessarily be an effective figurehead in that movement. Um, I also think that, uh, you know, and, and we even saw this when we were talking about um, the latest season of Queer Eye is the fact that one of the things that becomes a bigger and bigger part of the show is the idea that all climate activists care about is, or primarily what they care about is individual behavior. And there's like multiple scenes revolving around whether or not he's willing to take an ice cold shower and recycle the water. I don't think there are any climate activists who I know are aware of give a shit about that. Like that... It was just like the most ridiculous. Did that happen? It, it just all of it felt like this sixty-year-old person's idea of what a twenty-year-old activist would care about. Oh man, I'm really glad that I didn't watch more of it. If that was the storyline later on, I, uh, ugh, ugh. I I really just think that like I don't. I normally I'm like okay, there's some redeeming value in it. I found this so bad. Like I just don't understand because it's. One of those things that like it, it was award it was nominated for for like Golden Globes last year or whatever like this year but for last season like I don't understand because it is awful it is an awful thing uh, yeah I do think season two is significantly worse than season one yeah that's uh, fair or, that's fair or if, if only because it's sort of just repeating season one and so then you start to be like oh like this is this is really all you got huh well do they ever get into any kind of like uh because at least let's last season ben Platt's character had some serious reflection and like growth and i felt like the stuff with his with gwen gwyneth paltrow uh as his mother like towards the end and their relationship evolving was actually like pretty good uh does that exist in this in any similar form or no it exists but it's not very effective i would say does what exist like any kind of real genuine introspection or character growth or whatever that isn't just like mm, I don't know shit it's a little bit convoluted but I also kind of get it like Peyton has this whole thing about like ethics versus morals versus like who he actually is which I like I kind of understand when someone's like that ambitious and like if you are planning from the age of like four years old to be president of the United States like Kind of reminds me of Pete Buttigieg a little bit. Not getting political in any way, but like he is clearly <laughs> a very ambitious person, right? Like he has built his career, his life 
around one day being president. And it's very transparent, right? And I don't think that necessarily, whatever, that, that's unimportant. Uh, Peyton is the same way. And so like throughout the season, he's definitely asking himself the question of like, well, voters only care about authenticity, but if the only thing you're authentic to is being president and winning, like they'll see through that, right? So like what, how do you find who you are and what your authenticity is? And it ends up being just that, like that he's authentic to being president or being ambitious, right? And like that he'll do, yeah. yeah, and that he'll do what it takes to win, right? Like, and that's where his morals stand, right. whether or not they line up with the ethics of society or whatever, which like, it's not great by any stretch, but like it, it makes an effort, A for effort on, on that front. It's there. I agree that it's there. I just didn't find it particularly affecting in the way that I genuinely thought some of the later scenes between um, Gwyneth Paltrow and Ben Platt in season one uh, were, were actually emotionally effective scenes here. I, I didn't get that at all. Yeah, same. Should we talk a little bit about spoilers? A, because we should stick to that format, and B, because I want to force Daryl to hear what happens towards mm. the end of season two. Yeah, yeah, let's do that. Okay, so if you have not watched all of season two of The Politician and you don't want to know what happens, you should stop listening now. Um, let's Maybe let's start with, with the thruple and, and just sort of explain how that plays out for the rest of the season. Yeah. So um, Dee Dee Standish is in a thruple with her husband, who is also the uh, command on Scandal, which it's really hard for me to watch him in like a Ryan Murphy sitcom because he was so intense in that other show. Um, And then this other guy, William. And... To cover up the thruple, Dee Dee tells William to pretend like he's dating Hadassah, a.k.a. Bette Midler, her chief of staff. And they inadvertently fall in love. Meanwhile, Peyton Hobart and his girlfriend, fiance, whatever are learning that Astrid, his former rival in the student body president election, is being a mole for the Standish campaign and as a way to manipulate her to be more loyal, they start a throuple with her. Mm -hmm. And then when William and Hadassah fall in love... Right. Peyton reveals that or threatens to reveal that because Dee Dee has come out now as being in a thruple and having that be like a sexy, youthful part of her campaign. And now she's lying because William's actually with Hadassah. But then another dude (laughs) enters the thruple, the Standish thruple one of her husband's students and William and Hadassah are pretty happy and the thruple with Peyton, Astrid and Peyton's girlfriend, I don't remember her name, uh, falls apart because both she and Astrid become pregnant (laughs) with Peyton's child. Oh my God. (laughs) 
So that's kind of where it lands toward the end. Right. Well, then there's this whole other thing where because William was replaced in the throuple, he's very upset about that. So he leaks the information to Peyton's campaign that A, there's a new throuple, and B, that um, Dee Dee's husband has been... In a college side cheating business. scandal. Right. What, like He's been writing essays for his, for like letting students pay him to write essays. He literally, like Ryan Murphy literally just gets on like the New York Post every morning. He's like, I'm going to write a show about this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was going to say it sounds like like when you, I used to do these things like you go to uh, comics jams and then somebody would draw like a panel and then you have to draw the next one and you just have to go with whatever is provided before. Exquisite Corpse. Oh, is that a, is that a formal name? There you go. Yeah. So it's, it's like like improv, like always yes. say yes. Yeah, it's yeah. like the whole writing is like that, except there's like, yeah, there's like there's no there's no go backs, there's no nothing. There's just literally like I'm gonna say a thing, and now it's part of it. Now it's part of the show. Everybody else has to deal with that, and then they just keep going until it reaches this horrible conclusion. But that's not even the horrible conclusion. Oh God. So. Then what happens on the day of the election is that because Peyton has become, you know, so beloved by the young voters, there's this record because for this whole season, his numbers have just been going down and down and down. And even the revelation of the thruple and all these other scandals don't really seem to damage Didi because, um, you know, I guess people just they, it just makes her seem more interesting and cool or whatever. Um, but then it turns out on the day of the election, there's just insane turnout from younger voters, from under 30 voters. And in fact, it, um, Peyton and Dee Dee end up being in a literal tie with the exact same number of votes. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Can I tie the other thread together with yeah, infinity? Yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. Infinity has become this ins- like really um, extreme climate activist, and she nominates Peyton and endorses him and like leads his climate change rallies, but also sternly uh, lectures him about the fact that he can't fake it. Like at one point, she's like introducing him to go on stage and he's like throwing away the plastic from his dry cleaning and like they're chewing gum and stuff. And she's like, what the fuck is that? Like, you can't do that. So after they kind of negotiate and he actually, she ended up giving him a list of all the things he needs to do to be climate friendly or whatever. Um, But yeah, at the end, she ends up stealing a ballot box from the oldest polling location, which is like in like a nursing home or something. Uh And so she brings the ballot box, which is again, like ties into Peyton's whole like quest for his self, authentic self and like where he stands morally, knowing that he is essentially breaking the law. And so is everyone on his team. But after the tie, Oh, well, let's go back to what happens when they tie. Go ahead. Take it away, Anthony. Sure. So what the elections people tell them is you have two options. One is you can just have another election in 10 days. Or two, you can flip a coin. And then it turns out the flip a coin option is 
actually means basically you can have sort of any other random contest that you want. And basically because both sides think that they have, if they had a second election, they could be in trouble. Um, and then Bette Midler's character Googles whether it's possible to cheat at Rock, Scissors, Paper. They decide they're going to do Rock, Scissors, Paper decide the election. Um, Rock, so, Paper, Scissors. Oh, sh- I'm sorry. No, I, right. like the, I like Anthony's that was. I was like, wait, something sounds wrong, and I can't figure out what it is. Rock, Paper, Scissors. Rock, Paper, Scissors. Um, wait, hold on. Can we pause one more time? I have something yeah. that's really going to annoy Daryl. There's an episode of Big Bang Theory where Sheldon comes up with a new version of rock, paper, scissors. It's, um, I actually want to tell it right. Rock, paper, scissors. Wait, is that the right? Now I'm confused. No, that is right. Rock, rock paper, scissors. Rock, paper, scissors. <laughs> it's called rock, like paper, I'm going sc- insane. <laughs> it's called rock, paper, scissors, lizard, Spock, where you add two more potential no. options uh, to the game. Uh. So... <laughs> Scissors cuts paper, paper covers rock, rock crushes lizard, lizard poisons Spock, Spock smashes scissors, scissors decapitates lizard, lizard eats paper, paper disproves Spock, Spock vaporizes rock, and as it always has, rock crushes scissors. Uh, I just thought you really would love to know that. uh, No, no, I don't like it. You're welcome. I'm already so mad about the policy. <laughs> I just thought I'd bring in another show you hate. Maybe we could talk about Friends a little bit too. Oh god! <laughs> there's like, there's this episode where there like two different things are happening at once. One is that Peyton is agonizing over the moral dilemma of this ballot box, and should he turn it in? If he does, should he admit what happened, um, or should he? Just, is there a way to maybe anonymously drop it off? But he's also trying to master rock, paper, scissors. Nailed it. Yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, because there's this whole thing uh, that both sides are, are like researching where it turns out like statistically men always start with rock. And then if you lose with one thing, then you're really likely to go with this other thing. So it's like an argument, I guess, similar to poker that. And if you win with something, you're likely to play it again. Right. You're, you're supposed to like basically figure out the philosophy. I mean, the psychology of the person you're playing. Makes Which actually is sense. totally a thing. Yeah, Ray yeah, and yeah. I played rock, paper, scissors all the time when we were first dating. And it was like a, a whole thing about like who knows each other better too. It's not just like, you know, a game of chance, so to speak. Yeah. Which so that was actually kind of, I mean, at this point it's so ridiculous because you're like, I can't believe they want us to think that's how they're going to settle this election. But okay, sure, whatever. Um, ultimately, the the ballot box thing doesn't go anywhere he just basically goes back to talk to his mother who by the way has just had a successful run for governor of california California. and there's also a whole other subplot about her relationships and politics which i think we'll have to touch on a little bit at the end but i don't really want to to explain all of it i could go through it quickly well dd standish is in the running to be a nominee uh to be uh chosen as um running on the ticket with a guy named Tino, who is a Texas senator who's going to run for president. But then he starts dating Peyton's mom, who is like the Teflon candidate. She gets like 98% of the vote in California running on a platform that California should succeed. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Totally batshit crazy. But she's also bored with Tino. And then, yeah, she's having a conversation with Peyton. Again, Anthony, take it away. 
so then Peyton, um, basically, she basically she says, you just have to accept the fact that you're just pure, you know, what we were talking about before, that you're just purely ambitious and you're going to do what you want to do. And actually, one line that I thought was really good is she said, you didn't come here to figure out what to do. You, you, your, your problem isn't figuring out what to do. You already knew what you were going to do. Your problem is just accepting it, which is that he's going to do nothing about the ballot box and just forget that it exists. And right. um, that is actually, that was the one piece of writing in that arc that I thought was, was, was good. Um, and so he does nothing with the box. Um, though it does then sort of, you're like, oh, wow, we just spent a whole episode talking about the box and then he does nothing with it. Um, and, and at this point, it's clear that he has figured out the psychology of, of, uh, Rochambeau and Didi is like struggling with it. She just Didi is like, terrible no. at it. Like statistically right. impossibly bad at it. Like <laughs> right. never right. wins around. It's unbelievable. And at the same time, then there's like a, a scene because, because, again, they have to get Ben Platt to sing at some point in the season, although they're also kind of parsimonious with it. But um, at the end, or in the final episode, um, Didi and Hadassah, they go get a final drink together. And it turns out to be at a bar where Peyton is playing the piano, as he was at the end of season one. Oh, yeah, I remember. And, and, and like, they have this sort of... Um, you know, friendly enemy conversation where they're like, you know, you both, you, we, you guys ran great campaigns. Um, we really respect what you did. Um, and I think there's a moment where I think Peyton sings a song. You see Didi actually like is moved and, and kind of really impressed by him. And so the next day when they meet to have their game, their contest and decide the, the election, instead Didi gives a speech and says that, you know, she has heard the political winds blowing and she sees that young people support Peyton. And so she's going to step down in his favor and he becomes state senator. Uh, flash forward two years and you, apparently he has had a really Wait, successful. Hold oh, on. Wh- I want to go back because it closes the loop on the ballot box. So when he's giving his acceptance speech right before mm-hmm. he goes on, he tells his team like. I'm really sad because for someone that wants to be a politician, I don't win very many elections. <laughs> like, and they tell him, they reveal to him that they actually counted the ballots in the box. And even at the old folks home, he won the election. Wow. So he actually did win. And a legit if, win. Yeah, a legit win. And if Infinity hadn't stolen the ballot box, then they wouldn't have had to do the stupid rock, paper, scissors thing to begin with. But and the show he would did be win. Too. And he gave a great speech about how, like, I'm going to go and fight for you guys and, like, vote me out. Like, hold me accountable. Like, And it's one of the few times that I actually, I feel like a lot of his early speeches, both in season one and, and in the beginning of season two, I think somewhat intentionally, I, I just don't buy him as a successful politician. I just, like, I think that if I saw that speech on TV or on the internet, like, people would be like who is this kid pretending that they're a real politician right. and, and that his victory speech is one of the first times. And there are a couple other, uh, as he like leans more into his environmental message where you think, Oh, like th- yeah, this actually, he's a, he's a good politician or he's becoming a good politician. Um, and, and so then, Oh, before we thought flash forward also, the other thing that happens is, uh, Gwyneth Paltrow, who again is become the governor of California at the same time that her son has become a state senator in New York. She calls Dee Dee and says, hey, uh, now that like there's been this whole uh, political scandal with Tino, 
instead of running one of us running as his VP, I'm going to, I, Gwyneth Paltrow or Georgina Hobart will run for president and I want you, Didi, to be my vice presidential candidate. And Didi's like, says yes. Um, and so when we flash forward two years into the future, um, Peyton has accomplished a lot as state senator. He also seems to be very much at peace. Like he's, a, they talk about him as a husband and a father. And there's this whole thing about how all of his staff expected him to announce his next race, whether that was for U.S. Senate or even the presidency or something. And and instead he's like, no, 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 we still got a lot of work to do. I just want to focus on the work ahead rather than, you know, think about the next race. But then Didi comes to him and says, and, and it turns out that off screen, uh, Georgina and Didi have won the election for president. And, uh, but, but that uh, Georgina is almost certainly going to, uh, limit herself to one term and because she's just going to get bored with being president. And so Didi is going to run in four years and she wants Peyton to be her running mate when she runs for president in four years. Oh boy. Season. Yeah. Right. So we go from student body president, which he loses if I remember correctly to, he, he officially wins it. But then when they secretly count the ballot, cause uh, uh, or rather Astrid con- concedes but then when they count the ballots, it turns out he lost the election. And then state senator, which he barely wins, mm-hmm. which is an insane jump, by the way. Student body president <laughs> to state senator is just Especially because they keep cutting back to him in his um, in his dorm room while he's still working on the campaign. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's like literally just like a student. And then also everyone keeps referencing like go run for school board or something like right. what what are you yeah. doing like Be a trustee, <laughs> this isn't yeah. how you do it like run for freaking city council or something anyway now we go from state senator to vice president of the United States of America yeah but that's unelected so it's perfect for him yeah i know right he doesn't have to win it mm-hmm. someone else does yeah, I don't know. That sucks because that sounds like they're really planning on making another season. The uh, good news is Bette Midler will be in the next one, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's true. And I think they're planning on it. I don't think it's been renewed, so we'll see. And and I just I feel like the second season just kind of came out. And yeah. aside from us complaining about it, it, it seemed like no one cared. There were, like, no real reviews. I haven't seen people tweeting about it or talking about it. It kind of just... Came and How did they get it out true. so quickly? Like, it feels like season one of The Politician was like two months ago. And I know that like time Nine is a months. concept yeah. that isn't a thing anymore. But like... I thought it looked to me like they filmed a lot of it at once. But maybe maybe they maybe they just took a short, short break in between. Maybe those. they did because they, they obviously went into season two territory during season one. I mean, they could have mm-hmm. literally shot it all. And then just split it into two seasons, which would make a lot of sense. Netflix did pick it up for two seasons, yeah. So I'm pretty. They could have done that. Bothered by the fact that we have two seasons of The Politician and the time it took to just get us one more season of Another Life. Like, what? yeah, hurry up, with that. <laughs> Give me my Katie Sack off now. At please. least that one's like, a, like it's just enjoyably bad, and this one is like it's infuriatingly bad like this one just wants to be antagonistic with you no, that show's abo- just like yeah this one pokes at you another life is just like bad in like a kitschy way where it's just like oh something crazy is happening but of course it is because we're in the future and we're in space and like it's supposed to be that way yeah yeah that's good 
I like that. I like that so much. I miss that. I will say that one other thing that brought me pleasure just because we are all at home and I have not been to the TechCrunch New York office in three or three months, um, I guess 100 days essentially, is that they shoot around NYU. And so almost everywhere that they shot for locations, I recognized and have spent significant amount of time. So it was also just nice. The one thing that was just purely pleasurable for me was just seeing the locations and being like, oh, yeah, I remember that. And maybe one day I'll be back there. I do like watching stuff shot in New York City. It makes me feel makes me feel good. That's going to be a weird outcome of the pandemic. The people just like watching movies that are that depict locations they enjoyed <laughs> for yeah. no other reason. It'll it'll all be about like which one just has the most landscape shots of like places I like. Right, and we'll not be able to go until there's a vaccine. Yes. Um, I also, it, since we're complaining um, about uh, how this quickly this came out, I'm also mad that we did two episodes about The Politician, and I kept suggesting we review Hollywood, but got no takers and no enthusiasm, because Hollywood is definitely not, it's like a very uneven show. I think there's there's a lot to talk about and, and sort of quibble with, um, but it is a show that actually has a real point of view and reason for existing. And particularly in season two, I don't get the sense that that's true of the politician. And I almost think that, I mean, just if you look at the credits and how involved Ryan Murphy was in writing and directing, I think that there's a real chance that that while they were making this season of the politician, he was just way more involved in making Hollywood. And so that may be part of also why, like, I wasn't as crazy about season two. And anyway, people should watch Hollywood. I'll watch Hollywood for this podcast, but we have to do like two episodes in between this. Oh yeah, I'm not saying, I mean, because, like, don't I can't do a main review. Yeah, I just like, I don't know. I have to boycott Ryan Murphy shortly. Yeah, that's what that was my original reason for not wanting to watch that. But then, so I don't know why I ended up <laughs> suggesting this. <one>. <laughs> you <laughs> suggested this. That is the curveball. <laughs> that I will never be able to catch or hit. I don't. Uh, what what happened there? Really? Yeah. Well, you know, it's all right. We won't do season three. Promise. If if they make okay. a season three. Are you okay though? Like. What with this? Just are you okay? Like are you okay? What happened? Oh, I, I you know I liked I liked how angry I was at it. That's kind of fun. So nice little catharsis. Yeah, just yeah. get it out. Yeah. Just watching it being like, what is this? This is so stupid. Who could ever enjoy this? So <laughs> I love watching you throw a fit over things. So that is fun. <laughs> yeah, I like it when you get a good head of steam going, as you did it, here. It's yeah. nice, yeah. yeah. Particularly in the moment. I wish I could have been there to watch it with you, to be honest, because that's when it's really good, is when oh, something's yeah. like actively annoying you in the moment, not like nostalgic anger, but like current real-time anger feed is really, really good. Yeah, and I was for, I was like, no, I have to pay strict attention to this so that I can really get worked up about it. <laughs> so I can get granular about the way that I hate it. <laughs> but then, but then when I came time to talk about it, I was like, I couldn't, I couldn't remember any specifics because it was just all a blur of rage. I was just like, it's just foolish. It's just a foolish mess. I don't like it. There's also a whole scene. I have to mention this right before we close. There's um, a plot, the plot line with Tino, who's going to run for president. His wife is in a coma from like, is it eating too much pork, Anthony? 
Yeah, she has trichinosis or trichinosis uh, complications. Trichinosis complications. And she uh, wakes up and files for divorce. Did you guys notice who that actress was? I did not. No. It's the it's the um, the girl from Miss Congeniality, the one who describes her perfect date. Is this like a girl thing that you guys I don't really seen know? Seen that? I've never seen it. So there's, <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, so you should watch Miss Congeniality because it is a great movie, one hundred percent. I've heard that. It, it really is truly a fantastic rom com. Like not even a rom com, just comedy, but it's great. And there is a character in it who plays Miss Rhode Island or something. And she's like super kind of like naive and sweet and like just the nicest girl. And when they're in the competition, like the Miss America competition or whatever, she gets asked like, how would you describe your perfect date? She says, I'd have to say April 25th. It's not too hot, not too cold. All you need is a light jacket. And it's like... Oh, I've heard this, yes. It's just like a... It's like such a meme. I don't know. It's just the best line. And she's such a great character. And I haven't really seen her in like anything else ever. And then randomly she plays this Tino's wife coming out of a coma person. And it just really excited me. So for all the listeners at home who are excited to see her, put your hands up. (laughs) Apparently her name is Heather Burns. Mm-hmm. Um, Thanks, Anthony. I, I will say that was actually a that was one of the scenes that I really liked, where she just basically recounts um, all the hateful shit that he whispered to her while she was in a coma, and he'd be like, "Hey, I want to run for president next year, so if you could just kind of hurry this up and die, like that would be great." And then like talks about how much better Gwyneth Paltrow is in bed. Oh, I mean, cool. like all of it is it's it's pretty funny. But the rest of the politician, yeah, not 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 so great. Um, but if you have thoughts about the politician, positive or negative, you can email us at originalcontent at techcrunch.com. You can also tweet at us. We'd appreciate if you follow us at originalcontent on Twitter. Uh, we also appreciate if you subscribe and leave us a positive review in Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast app you use. And yeah, I think that's that's all the favors that I'm asking this time. So thank you so much for listening. Daryl and Jordan, I will talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Happy weekend.